0: that connection to nature can affect our well-being, but how? Welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of Who Cares, What's the Point? The podcast about the mind for people who think. My name is Saab Johal, your host and producer of the podcast, and you can follow the show on Twitter at WCWTP or go to whocareswhatsthepoint.com for more details about the show. You'll also find show notes about the episode in iTunes if you've downloaded it that way. Don't forget to subscribe uh, if you do find us on iTunes, or you can find us on the Google Play Store or Stitcher, and you can follow me at Saab on Twitter too. In this sixth show of the series, I talk with Laurie Palmer from the Department of Psychology at the University of Cambridge in England, the United Kingdom, about Nature Buzz, the new research application they have developed to explore the links between nature and well-being. Have a listen to this conversation to understand more about who should care and what the point of this research is. Um, Welcome, Laurie. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show. Um, Maybe we can get straight into it and you can tell me a little bit more about why you got uh, interested in in this link between human behavior and, and the environments in which we live in.
1: Um, yes, of course. Um, first, thank you for having me. Um, so basically our, our project of, of building this app that um, connects um, human well-being and, and biodiversity is um, two facts really in the literature. The first one is that um, green spaces foster greater human well-being. And this, this is a fact that has been quite well replicated across um, various aspects of well-being. Um, the, the three major ones would be uh, that it increases attention, it decreases stress, and it strengthens uh, social ties. So these are, these are um, very important aspects of human well-being. And the second observation that led us to, to this project is that um, human beings benefit from a diversity Um, uh, especially in terms of um, reducing hedonic adaptation. Um, Hedonic adaptation is our capacity to adapt to positive and uh, negative stimuli um, uh, identically. So mm, the moment we, uh, for example, move by a train line, we'll get very um, disturbed at the beginning, but eventually our brain will filter out the the sound information and we'll stop um, hearing the sound. So when we have more diverse environments, uh, we don't suffer from diversity as much. Um, And and this this hedonic adaptation effect, it happens for the negative events, like when you live by a train line, but it also um, happens for very positive events. So, for example, um, if you um, start having ice cream every day, which might sound like a very good idea, but um, actually after a few days, you will habituate to the ice cream and it will stop feeling like a reward. Um, so diversity kind of uh, provides a, a very good uh, buffer against this adaptation that, that happens f- towards uh, positive and, and negative repeated events. And so we connected these two dots. Basically, we, we, we took the observation that human beings benefit from green spaces and that they also benefit from diversity. So our hypothesis is that maybe by connecting uh, green spaces that are more diverse, we'll, um, we'll get more benefits out of that uh, green space. So that's pretty much the, the project in a, in a nutshell.
0: That, that's really interesting I'm uh, always reminded when uh, I think about this kind of uh, work about that um, adaptation and habituation that you see in your pet cat you know when you make a, a clicking sound the first time they might look at you uh, the second time they might flick your ears their ears towards you and the third time they completely ignore you uh, because they've kind of habituated to that noise and they know it's um, not worth paying attention to anymore um, the, the
1: it's isn't it it's really strong and reliable i mean even major life events such as um for example getting married uh, it, br- it brings about a very strong increase in sense of happiness and well-being but eventually we very reliably always um, get back to baseline
0: <laughs> yeah very true um uh, one thing that we've noticed certainly uh here in new zealand is Uh, When we have uh, earthquakes, uh, and if they're not life-threatening shocks or aftershocks, um, the uh, more minor aftershocks people uh, tend to habituate to reasonably quickly, um, and it becomes almost like a a bit of a game to try to understand what magnitude uh, that earthquake was, whether it was a three or a four or possibly even a five. When it gets above that, then people start paying attention to it uh, and saying, actually, I might need to do something about this, rather than it just being being part of this background noise that people can um to a large degree tune out of
1: yeah yeah it's 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 a very clever um way our brain has to kind of filter out the necessary uh, relevant information from the one that is not so relevant yeah
0: And that uh, importance of green space, I think um, also um, in in the research that I've read before, is that it always comes out uh, when people are under challenging circumstances as one of their top 10 things that they miss, particularly if they've had to move or um, be relocated for some reason, that access to green space becomes a really important part of their lives, not just because of the... um, what, what the green space directly affords them, but also the the secondary benefits of actually connecting with other people who are also using that green space and being in that environment.
1: It's it's a huge um, aspect of leisure, but even in terms of um, living and, and dwelling into green spaces, there's a very um, interesting recent study that was published by <clears throat> Exeter University, and they looked at uh, long-term well-being of people moving from... Um, a town area or a um, not so green area towards a greener, greener area, and uh, they found that the um, the, the long term benefit, uh, the well being benefits of, of that moving houses, uh, is actually quite long. It's not quite going back to the baseline. And what's really interesting is that they looked at plus three years, and the the, the well being remains quite high. Um, So that's a really good uh, and interesting point towards our hypothesis um, that maybe the greener, the the better and probably the the more effectively we can beat a hedonic adaptation.
0: Okay, so t- tell me a little bit more about um, this um, interface, this app that you've created, and, and how it goes about um, measuring um, people's mood um, and also the, their environments uh, and how it is that you're trying to join those two data sets together and, and and for what point?
1: So um, the, the app is a is a well-being tracker. We, we made sure that... Um, if people are going to participate in uh, Citizen Science and download our app, that in addition of participating in, in science, they would also get benefits out of it. So the app will um, buzz our participants um, however many times they decide to be buzzed throughout the day um, and it will ask questions such as, how happy do you feel right now? Um, who's with you? What what activity are you engaged in? What does the uh, environment uh, look like at the moment? Do you, Can you identify many or very few species, are you inside outside, so we're trying to get quite a a clear picture of uh, what's going on and uh, after a few uh, notification filled in, then the participant le- can take a look at their charts. So what are the places um, that make them happier? Who are the people that make them happier? And also um, what does their well-being looks like uh, across time? And we can split that across um, the last couple of days, the week, the month and even the years if, if you're willing to track your, your well-being for, um, for several years. So it's quite an interesting well-being tool. Um, On our side, on the research aspect, uh, it's really interesting because um, we also ask people a few information about uh, who they are, although the app is completely anonymous. We ask them where they grew up and how much they engage in nature so that we can know um, who are the individuals who might benefit more or if it's a kind of a ubiquitous uh, effect that everyone, no matter where you grew up or um, how much you naturally engage in or are enthusiastic about nature, um, whether that, that affects how much, uh, how happier you feel in nature. Um, so yeah, we, we, we really try to make it both scientifically uh, uh, important and valid in answering an interesting question as well as interesting for the users. Um, And one very interesting feature, I think, for the users is um, the uh, well-being across uh, space. So if you fill in... um, more than 10 notifications you get access to a map that shows you basically where you feel happier so it's like a heat map where you can see the dots in green where you're happy and and the dots in red where you're a bit less happy and that's that's very um a fun function that is a, a little bit more technical and a little bit more um interesting than usual research apps um that just look into well-being so yeah
0: That's really interesting. Is it possible to see other people's heat maps as well um, if you give permission?
1: Uh, No, unfortunately, that's one of the projects we we would really, really hope to um, get started as soon as we have a little bit more uh, users. So our big challenge at the moment is to um, expand the app and see if um, there's a big uptake amongst our users to see if it's worth um, investing a little bit more of development and a little bit more features, a little bit more sharing, a little bit more of a game of different well-being questions so that we can provide more diverse feedback um so so we'll see i mean uh, uh, it, the 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 app so far is we're really proud of it because our users are are growing and and it's starting to to pick up and people are starting to give us uh, interesting feedback and data but um it's it's in preliminary and early stages so we really look forward to see um how many people will will download nature buzz and keep using it
0: Sure, and is this uh, is this focused uh, just on on the UK uh, audience at the moment, or, or are you looking at this um, internationally?
1: Uh, we're looking at this internationally, actually. Um, so our project, in terms of uh, understanding how much biodiversity there is in the environment, because we partnered up with the um, zoology department here at, at University of Cambridge, um, will have a pretty detailed idea of. The biodiversity in the UK, so that we can relate it to, um, <clears throat> to to the to the well-being. But eventually, down the line, we would really much hope uh, to do the same thing uh, across uh, the world. And and regardless of whether we we have access to that data set yet, it's very relevant for us to look at it uh, globally and to um, basically m- recruit as many users as we can.
0: I'm curious about your, uh, your thinking uh, about who do you think would um, benefit most? Is it those people who perhaps access green space quite a lot of the time already and are quite connected and then the lack of access for them actually has quite a, an impact upon them in a negative way? Or do you think it's... Um, those people who aren't getting enough connection to that out, outside and, and that diverse diversity of exposure to different environments who could really benefit, or is it somewhere in between? What What are your thoughts around that?
1: Um, I think I think for anyone who's an enthusiast in nature, I mean, there's going to be this uh, this liking effect. So um, if my hobby personally is to dance or to do yoga, when I'm going to think about, even just think about going to yoga, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel happy. So I think uh, this sample is, is definitely likely to have um, um, a, a strong correlation between nature and well-being. But where I'm most interested is, is to look into people who don't naturally engage or, enth- or are enthusiastic about nature because um, I find <clears throat> from the data that most people who um, were asked across studies to how they feel in, in nature, there's a very strong calming effect. Um, and, it, in a very interesting study on, uh, how people recovered, um, when they were staying at the hospital, having a view on the, on a green space uh, versus a view against a wall, people who had view on the green space had a quite a significant, stronger, um, recovery time. And it was, it was, they recovered much faster. They felt a bit better. And that was across, um, people being uh, enthusiastic about nature or not so i i'm guessing it's impossible to prevent the nature enthusiasts not to have a fun and enjoyable time in nature but i think it's quite a ubiquitous effect from the present literature so i'm um, i'm i'm really looking forward to see whether our data set confirms that
0: yeah, that would be fascinating to see whether this is actually an across-the-board, whether you're an enthusiast about nature or not, that actually being in or even merely thinking about being in nature has an effect upon your mood.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So who should care about this research, Laurie? Um, if you were thinking about what the implications are, what, who should care about this?
1: Um, I think it's it's important to change a little bit the way we... Um, think about conservation and protecting nature um, because there's a lot of mm, we need it uh, we, we rely on nature for water and and uh, for climate regulation for uh, for food and and there's also a little bit of guilt in terms of we need to preserve nature because we destroy it and and I, I think it's really important to change that kind of guilt-loaded and, and need-based um, conservation of nature. I think we have to kind of spin it around and start saying it's a little bit more about connection, Um, it's about reconnecting us to to each other because nature does strengthen social ties it's about being happier more attentive less stress more present a little bit more calm and it's about kind of taking a a direct benefits positive benefit from being in nature and we're backing it up with evidence we we really need to kind of start viewing the, the positive um aspect of being in nature rather than just the, the need we derive from it. Um and and it's I think it's important to take that perspective in many domains, um viewing it as a as a growth oriented approach rather than than an economic fear or or shame-oriented direction. When we think about nature conservation, I think it's really essential to take that positive perspective as well.
0: I think you 're right it's, It would be a really interesting um, flip in, in the way that we think about these things, um, as, as you say, I think you 've already talked about you know the, the healing effects of um, merely seeing a green space, um, and I think i 've read some research where it actually increases the speed of wound healing as well. Um, yeah. So you're right. I think that from a, an institutional point of view as well as uh, from an individual point of view, if we could think about tapping into um, the uh, powerful effects of, of green space and, and diversity of environment rather than being stuck in the same environment um, the whole time, I think that um, that would be uh, incredibly interesting. Do you have any my, in mind who you think the consumers of your um, research data, when, when you come out with your findings, who, who, who should be caring about this and, and why would it be relevant to them?
1: Um, so we very much aim to um, advise uh, policymakers on how and why we design uh, and manage landscape. I think that's one of our main goals, um, <clears throat> to kind of uh Tell what data we have and say more diversity is, is benefiting us or not. You can just create more green space, and, and that is it, that's sufficient. But I think it's a very valuable um, um, policy making data uh, and, and base to kind of help orientate the way we, we manage our landscape. Um, so yes, uh, my take home message for for what what I got from running this study and building it would be that um, when we think about health, mental health, um, and nature, it would be wonderful to take a positive approach rather than something that is based on fear and guilt. And, and approach it with a smile and, and look at its direct benefit and, and view it for how beautiful it is and, and how positive it is and not, not as, a, as a burden.
0: I hope you've enjoyed listening to this sixth show in this first season. You can find the uh, description and link to the Nature Buzz app on the show notes to this podcast or you can come to the website. Don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter at WCWTUP or me, your host and producer, Saab Johal, at Saab. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to this week's show. Please send feedback through any channel, Facebook, Twitter, uh, at the website, or at contact at whocareswhatsthepoint.com if you'd prefer to email. It would be great to hear from you. So, until next week on... Who Cares? What's the Point?